the karaoke itself, it's um, I remember growing up having it on the pa, um, chanted by our our elders, our kaumātua back then, and ever since then it's something a karakia which I lean more towards as a um, some sort of safety. They call it an ofa ofa or an offering. Some say ofa ofa, some say oha oha or oho oho to invoke or to give life as a statement in the Pai Māriri. Me hoki rā no ki ngā tīmatanga kōrero, ko te wehira ki te atu anā nā tāua, kei te hoa i whakapiria i runga i te whakāroko tai. Tui whakahonore te ki ngi Māori ki atu heitia, me tō nā whare kāhui ariki, rire, rire hau Pai Māriri. ตาจะกินกับมาละมาตั้งแต่จะกินกับกินแต่กินกินมาเรียกจะเหตุจะเมื่อกี้ตะกี้กินมาเรียกจะเหตุจะเมื่อกี้ตะกี้กินมาเร
I don't see it as a religion. I see it more as a hope and faith type thing where it has become the, and what they call in Te Māori, Te Tuāpapo Te Kingitanga, um, being the platform or being the pillar for the Kingitanga. In the final of the series that explores religion tonight, Jesse Huriwai talks about how the practices of Pai Marire has influenced his life. Pai Marire, which means goodwill and peace, was also known as the Ho-Ho movement. It was founded in 1862 by Te Ua Haumene, and the religion itself grew out of the land conflicts in Taranaki. From 1863 to 1874, it reached the Bay of Plenty and the Waikato regions. Pai Marire is known to be the first independent Māori Christian faith. Jesse Huriwai has learned many of the Pai Marire karakia, or prayers. But what does it mean to practice one's faith as a young person? For him, it began within his whānau, his marae, and his iwi. Jesse was baptised an Anglican at Roto Waitua, Porirua. His paternal grandmother was brought up Pai Marire. But perhaps his faith today is shaped by his elders. Simply put, one of his uncles turned to him and said, You're it. In other words, it would be up to him to continue to follow the teachings. We begin here with Jesse explaining the history from a Waikato Tainu perspective about Pai Marire. The Pai Marire, um, the kaupapa behind it, um, taken from when Tafio went to Taranaki to see the prophet at the time, Te Uahomene from Taranaki. And it was there he made the relationships between himself and um, Te Uahomene, who is also known as Poropapera in Taranaki. So um, went there and he said, Tafio, well, Matutaira, he was known as Masutala at the time, taken from the biblical name from the Bible. He was, um, Matutaira was, that was his name. And he went to Taranaki and he asked the, the prophet, Ewa ko haramaye nei ahau me ngā taonga kei te kapu o tō kuringa, ko te wetiriana, ko te romana, ko te katorika, ko tau kawha, ko kapikato, te kaupapa kei roto i takuringa. Te pai marire. Te mene, um, I've come here to talk to you. Within the palm of my hand, I have the Wesleyan, the Catholic, and the Anglican. Uh, with your tanga that you have, it will cover, it will encompass all of the spiritual side. So it was from that then when um, Matutaira, also known as Tafia, went to Taranaki and brought back. This kaupapa back to Tainui. There at that same time he was given the name Tafia. From then he was, uh, before he left Taranaki to come home, him and his entourage, he was baptised in the Māori way of baptism, iri iri, uh, tohi, as we call it, baptism in Māori, and was given the name Tafia, the encircled one. So um, he brought back this um, gift from Taranaki and brought it back to uh, Tainui, whereas they say that's where the strong link between Tainui Waka and Taranaki Maunga is always there. So with Pai Marere, do you wear any special clothes, robes? No. Is there any special um, signia? 
No, I, I don't, I've never seen it um, as as I was growing up. I never saw like what Ratana and the Mihingares Catholic, uh, Catholic and Anglican side. You know, they wear all this uniform, uniform type. Apotoro. Yeah. yeah. Um, growing up, I never saw that on uh, Pakiki. Um, most of the times they wore, I don't know, during that time suits and stuff. Like just your ordinary kaumatua marae clothing, I suppose. And our nannies were still in their blacks. And um, the tari uh, or the person who conducted the, kari, uh, the karakio, he was just your ordinary kaumatua, you know. He was no, he was never differentiated from the rest and with the clothing that our ministers wear today. Mm. Mm. So do you at sometimes feel that this is um, a heavy responsibility as you get older or is it just something that you've really grown into? Well, um, just in the last couple of months I've been returning back to Waikato. Because um, you actually reside in Wellington. I, yes, like I, yeah, I reside in Wellington. And um, the last over the last... I think it's 2014, our, two, our marae, two marae back in Maunga Tautari back in Cambridge and decided to put a ropu together, a group, kapaka ropu, named Te Akatarere. Through the couple of months, we learnt, we've learnt about the paimarere and what its true meaning is. And then there were, there was times where, um, when we would do Te Karakia o Te Ata o Te Awatirane, the um, prayers of the morning um, conducted by for the Paimari there, I happened to be sitting there during those karakia, those prayer times, and I've had to happen to take part in um, the oha oha or the ofa ofa as they're known, but also it's um, the main contact of the Paimari there, the main korero about it. So it become, I be- I've become one of the tariao to help conduct the karakia. Māori term in Tainui, in terms of where we call it, the minister, is a tariao. Oh, tariao, right. So they're the ones that conduct and start all of our karakia. Is there a sense that the Pai Māori faith is strong? I think it has grown, have, a couple of years ago, um, Waikato Tainui, they released a resource book and CD and a DVD, which encompasses all the um, kōrero and the background history of our of our karakia, the Pai Māriri. Um The young people having parts in the Pai Māriri, taking the role of... So there's a bit of a resurgence happening. Yeah, so it's a regeneration, I regeneration, think. Regeneration, yeah. Um, like they say, the one net's casted out to the side, the new one comes in. So it's... And I think it's a good thing because it, it um, things our people our, grows our people. Somebody says, or signs of a letter or an email with Pai Māriri, or they say, oh, Pai Māriri, what does that, what are they saying? Uh, goodwill. Goodwill. So the Pai Māriri was formed and constructed using the um, parts of the Bible and parts of Te Ao Māori. One thing about this karaki, it's unique. Um like our whānau from the Ringatū, our people from the Ringatū faith and the Ratana faith, uh, where Ratana is quite musical, um, 
with the singing and all that. And when you come to us, it's very, I suppose, real monotone. Um, like like our whanaunga who do the ringatū too, our relations who do the ringatū faith as well. Monotone in the sense of the, the way the, the kariki are delivered. Yeah. So that baritone sound that it's always monotone straight throughout. I think the Pai Māori there is a unique uh, karakia. It's just got a special way of doing it. Mm. Yeah. You know, as a young person and with your immediate cousins around you, can you see, is there a strong succession plan, do you think? Today's generation is totally different. Yeah. Um, my younger cousins are more into the kapahaka side of things but not really necessarily into the tikanga and te ao Māori's perspectives of life so um, I don't know but depending how what it looks like in the maybe the next 10 years When you're pai Māori there is there a certain way that you have to live your life? Because you're young you're still yeah. young I, I don't know it's something that um like I say, when I go home and I hear the Pai Māori, that's me. I feel alive, I suppose. Um, I, you know, I do even now and, now and then I listen to my Pai, the Pai Māori soundtrack that um, we Neat. have. <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> uh, um, the, the CD that they give, I, I, I listen to it sometimes and not. I just... Let it play in my on my iPod, and I listen to it, and that keeps and that's something that for me it's something to uh, learn, learn to play Māori there. It's only because in my family once we used to have a long stronghold of uh, people doing the play Māori there, and now there's maybe uh, my whanau in particular they know the play Māori there, but not to the extent where someone needs to lead it. Mm. So. Um, my one of my uncles who lives who resides over in Australia, he, um, I suppose, to him I'm it. You know, to sort of, I don't see it as a as a as a heavy thing to carry. I see it as more of a, something to revi- revive the tikanga of the Paimari in our family. So yeah. One of our um back in the day, his name was Te Kapo Tufakaya Clark. Um her and him being the Tariao, well he would start off and conduct our karakia. And they would run from seven seven in the morning and at seven at night. That that was that is still the daily routine from back then, back in the days. Um, from my and Kurewa, and also from those before during the time lifetime of the Puya. So they would karakia at seven in the morning, and the, again at, at seven, seven at, at night. night. Uh, something that the Puya um, put into place um, during the time when Waikato, when she believed that Waikato men shouldn't go to the World War One. Mm. 
and fought against the empire and the reasoning why why our, our tupuna at the time why should they have to go to fight for another man's country or another man's kaupapa so uh, according to the corridor she had a hui back at Mangatafiri, Mesa they call it now. She thought of her Korowa uh, Tafio, who had the Skaraki. And during that time, um, during the time of strife, she caught upon, happened to see these Korowa. I'm not too sure of those those Korowa's names. But these two Korowa were the ones that conducted and brought back to life the Paimari there. And it now continues today. How have you moved in your circles you're obviously comfortable in that role. Uh, well, it's something that um, I happen to just happen to learn by, by just by ear growing up. But also, um, when one of one of our grand my one of my grand uncles um, happened to be sick during that time, and in the hospital during the time that you were learning this. What do we, What do you mean by during that time? Oh well. Let's just say that it was just um, Farno just said you're it. Right. Are you are you ready to to carry the the kaupapa? So um, my one of my grand uncles he was Mawiwi at the time sick at that time and um, I just I don't know something within me just said there's got to be somebody who can take it. So with the guidance of one of my uncles he also happened to say well it's up to you. It'd be nicer for one of our own family members to carry the kaupapa. Now, in Māori circles, Jess, we often operate in a taina tuakana yes. um, environment with yes. Māori being elders, res- well, younger people respecting their elders. So you just saying, your uncle, yeah. were you comfortable in accepting that, not not a hard and fast role, but yeah. just kind of taking on a little bit of that responsibility? Were you comfortable in I suppose so. I suppose they might have saw something within me. I, I I don't know. They I'm assuming that they my uncle at the time must have saw something that he that myself could carry the scope up. Which I do I do confidently take on and and, and take on with pride. <laughs> The Ringatū Faith was founded by Te Kōti Ārakirangi Te Tūriki in the mid-1860s. The faith is strong in the Bay of Plenty region, and the main church is known as Te Hāhi Ringatū. Te Kōti was born at Pōho in Gisborne and attended Whakatō School run by the Church Missionary Society. In this recording from 1978, Hare Williams backgrounds the history of the prophet and the religious leader. Born in Gisborne, Te Kōti was educated in a mission school at Wairangahika and adopted the name Te Kōti after the Reverend Coates, his teacher. Initially, Te Kōti welcomed Christianity because he saw a close relationship between Christian and Māori principles of religious ideologies. This wasn't to last long, however, and he became openly antagonistic toward Europeans in general when he foresaw the loss of culture, language and land. The worst that he feared was that his people would be dispossessed of all their dignity and pride. At the same time, the spread of the Ho-Ho movement from Taranaki to the Bay of Plenty threatened the peace of settlers. Te Kōti was arrested while serving with government troops in 1866 for allegedly being a Ho-Ho. He was exiled 
with some of his men to the Chatham Islands, the Whare Kauri. In the Korti's case, there has been hysterical untruth about his activities and the propaganda of the time placed him as a bloodthirsty rebel, a view which was widely held as fact. The mystique of the Ringatū movement and its founder still remain. Recently, we Tāre Atohunga of the Ringatū Church spoke to students at a hui in Teteko. He was asked to explain the background and history of the Ringatū Church. Now, Te Kōti, when he formulated and his, his church, the hymns, and uh, what they call pānuis and the psalms, he gave it the tunes of all the traditional Māori songs. It sounds weird sometimes, so I'll give you an instance taken from the book of Psalms. It goes like this. Now, if he was walking in the dead of night through a place filled with scrub, and suddenly you heard this thing, I'm sure your hair will stand on end. It sounds quite weird. And I think this, is, uh, this gave the wrong impression to a lot of people that he practiced witchcraft and hohoism because they couldn't understand. They couldn't understand the, the words. The words are lost for the tune. We Tare added that the Korti was the most misunderstood historical figure who took refuge away from the land of his birth and from his people, the Rungofakata tribe. The Korti took refuge with the Tuhoe and Maniapoto people. In his hymns, Te Kōti incorporated traditional Māori modes of singing and learning. We Tare explains. I think he foresaw, even in those days, the need to preserve the Māori language. He foresaw this. And so long as you know a, a Māori Ringatū hymn, you'll know a song. Every hymn has its counterpart in the old Māori way it is because their tunes are taken from the Māori Waiatis. And their tune, the tune of the hymns, tends to hide the words which comes straight from the Bible. Straight from the Bible, there's no, nothing added or subtracted. The twelfth of each month is a day of worship, thanksgiving and prayer, the twelfth being a sacred number. On the 11th day, the followers of the Ringatū Church assemble at a prearranged marae for the two-day hui known as the Kaumārua, or the 12th. Besides the 12th of each month, the 1st of January and the 1st of July are sacred festivals to mark important seasonal changes in the Māori calendar. Services are held inside the meeting house and no special buildings were set aside for worship for Te Kōti believed that the soul and spirit of his people resided in the meeting house. As the prayers begin, young and old relax on mattresses and pillows. Among the elders, children too can take part in the, in the prayers. <laughs> I wonder how many Maoris here, 31 years old, who won't be able to. 
I've got a boy out, outside in the car. If I was to bring him in here now, he can sing it. Exactly as I sing it. Now, today, we're seeking our, our married, but they call it married. And the language. I think uh, every one of you has read, has uh, read in the papers where they're trying this and that and the other about uh, Maori language. Now, what better way than for us all, say for a period of 20 years or so, to join the Ringer 2 Church? And we'll all learn Maori through the Ringer 2 Church. You know, if they, uh, after 20 years' time, well, each one can go back again. But, uh, you, can, you can see it's classical Maori. Ringatū Tohunga, or experts, we tare, talked to a group of students in Te Tiko about their religious leader Te Koti and the Ringatū faith. Again, this was recorded in 1978. More than half of all the, the prayers he, he composed comes from the New Testament. Uh, whoever gave the impression that he dealt only with the Old Testament it's quite wrong. It's quite wrong. More than half of his services is taken from the New Testament. The main thing is, even today, he is still classed as a ho-ho. Now, here's one of his prayers classed as ho-hoism. This prayer was formed by him while he was in Chatham Islands. Translation of a few ho-ho prayers written by Tekoti with his own hand in his pocket memorandum book, a little book very much worn with constant usage and long carrying about in his clothes and more than once repaired by stitching together with fibres of New Zealand flax, faithfully translated by W. Colenso. Now this is, this is how the prayer goes. Oh God, if our hearts arise from the land in which now we dwell as slaves, and repent and, and repent and pray to thee, and confess our sins in thy presence. Then, O Jehovah, do thou blot out the signs of thy own people who have sinned against thee. Do not thou, O God, cause us to be wholly destroyed. Wherefore it is that we glorify thy holy name. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I left his mark on this world Yeah, yeah, yeah Scooby-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo
Okay, nana. Nah. 